Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rizzo, the host of the show, where I get to talk to Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the Games. Today, super interesting interview. We have Kaylee Gilchrist, a two-sport athlete, crossing her fingers, and we'll be crossing ours as well that she gets in for both of them. Um, but Kaylee has been to the Olympics and won a gold medal with USA Water Polo, and she is also surfing she's a part of usa surfing and it is now in the olympics for the 2020 games so um very interesting interview to hear how she kind of works both sides of it how she is very dedicated to both sides but understanding that to go back to the olympics um water polo is obviously her best shot because it is a team sport and we are usually very very good obviously she's already won a gold medal there but hope you guys enjoy it really think this is an interview again one more time kaylee gilchrist usa water polo usa surfing athlete extraordinaire amazing person hope you guys enjoy the episode all right today on our athletes kaylee gilchrist she, this is going to be a fun interview, guys. I promise you that. She's on USA Water Polo, and she's on USA Surfing. Something tells me Kaylee really likes being in the water. Uh, born May 16th, 1992 from Newport, sunny Newport Beach, California. She obviously, as I said, is a dual sport athlete. Won gold at the 2016 Games already with USA Water Polo. She's won, uh, she won back-to-back Surfing America titles in 2009 and 2010. She attended the real University of Southern California, USC. Won a uh, national title, title in water polo there. Kaylee is also the ambassador for the Young and the Brave Foundation. She's the co-founder of Camps for Champs and the owner of IMS South Central, and she currently competes in the World Surf League. Kaylee, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem at all. It's our pleasure. I promise you that. So, Kaylee, if you don't mind, I mean, that was such a small, small introduction. If you don't mind just giving us a little bit more details on kind of how you became so good at both of these sports. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, I started um, at the age of eight, both sports. I was a tomboy. I played every sport imaginable. Uh, my dad swam into Olympic Games, so I guess you could say there's some athleticism there. Um, never pressure, though. Just kind of grew up playing sports. Um, slowly but surely, I led towards, kind of gravitated towards water polo and surfing. And then it was just continuing, just wanting to be better. And for me, it was always competing with the boys to be better. And that started to get uh, some recognition at a young age and I was able to do pretty well in high school and that led to an opportunity at USC which continued to grow on the national team and um, ultimately made the Olympics and won the gold medal which was a dream come true and finally get to go after my surfing dream that's kind of been put on hold for many years and now I'm just continuing to balance for for one more games hopefully is the, is the plan. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, most people don't get to go to the Olympics for one sport, let alone two. So I think it's pretty impressive. Um, and definitely I'm excited to jump into that conversation a little bit. So being a two-sport athlete, especially the sports that you're, you've, been, you've been doing for a while now, you know, as you said, you know, water polo, when I watch it, it seems like crazy high intensity. Obviously, you're just beating the crap out of each other. You're on top of each other. You're doing all that. And then surfing is obviously a very individual kind of sport where it's you and the waves and you're a little bit more chilled out vibe, if I'm allowed to say that, um, without sounding ridiculous. But um, so, kind of how how do you is is it kind of filling two different holes? How how exactly do you view both the sports and kind of how you've been able to utilize both of them uh, growing up, as you said, since you were eight? Yeah, again, um, it was just something that I just fell in love with, and that was the reason why I'm still continuing to play both sports. But um, I used water water polo was. And it still is so fun with the team aspect and the grind and 
the commitment that it takes to be at the level that we're at. And I think going through that, that was kind of a priority for the past few years that surfing was my outlet um, just to get in the water and get in the ocean. It was almost like a little bit of therapy for me. Um, so it's been really cool to have that, you know, when I'm just not having a great water pool day or kind of struggling or whatever, it's just in the ocean and you forget about everything. You come back uh, from being in the water, a happier person. So, but it's been cool to transition to competing and surfing and just seeing the differences and similarities and using my knowledge that I have of water polo and being able to, to bring it to the surf, the surf career. And so what actually do you like, what are the, um, attributes and the knowledge that you take from water polo and kind of switch over and utilize in your surfing career? Yeah, I think it's more not necessarily anything like specific towards the game, but it's just the way you present yourself as a professional athlete and knowing what it takes to be at the top. So in surfing, obviously you're, it's an individual sport. So of course you try to build um, a team. I try to build the team behind the team is what we always said for water polo. So that was one of my goals moving forward is to have this team, the support system. And um, it's definitely hard because you still are ultimately uh, competing as an individual. Um, but just knowing, you know, the nutrition, what it takes for rest and recovery and the amount um, of sacrifice and hard work. It's not like you can just go out there and surf the heat. Everyone's surfing so good these days and are really taking it to that next professional level. So I just knew that um, I would have to do the same. Very cool. And that, that, that does make sense. I mean, obviously being able, being a part of both of these um, organizations and teams and understanding um, what, what goes into one, obviously can you, you can use, utilize some of that into the other, which I think is really cool. Uh, So just as like, I guess a a personal question, how much time do you spend in the water a day? Like 14 hours? (laughs) Are you a fish at this point? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, When we go full-time training for water polo, we spend six hours at the pool a day to do three hour sessions. Um, sometimes that's not always actually in the water. You know, there's some strength and conditioning outside of the water and some sports psych things that we do and um, preparation and stuff. But so I think about five, four or five are solid hours in the water. And then when the waves are good, I was trying to be better before Rio to know like when it was worth it, like trying to rest my body a little bit more. But I would pack my car and go surf between practices. You know, my, my teammates thought I was crazy. So, But when it was really good, I'd probably be – you know, up to eight hours in the water. That is incredible, man. I like sitting next to the water personally. I'm not the biggest fan of getting in it. Um, I love it. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And, you know, if you need someone to hang out on the beach while you're surfing, man, I'm right there for you. Don't worry. I'm by your side. So that is, that is super cool. Um, I, I really I really think that's incredible. And as you said before, kind of surfing was your outlet. Um, it's It seems like that's always been kind of something that you've really, really loved. So you've always obviously kept doing it. Um, and now with the opportunity of, of surfing actually being in the Olympics, like, how, how are you kind of managing your time between both of these sports now? And what are you doing to make sure that when called upon, you know, you'll be a hundred percent ready for whichever one, um, whichever one or both that are there. Yeah. So the way that works is I thought I was going to be done with water polo after Rio. So I took the year off and complete just surfed on the QS series, the qualifying series on the world surf league. Um, and I think I realized during that year of competition that I miss water polo so i reached out to my coach and he allowed me to come back so this summer was my first year back in the pool with the girls and um forever grateful of that decision and there's many question marks with surfing in the olympics because it's new that we don't really know and slowly but surely in the past couple of years there's been some answers coming out and as of right now there's only two spots for uh female surfers in the olympic games per country 
So if you're looking at it in a percentage game, that's going to be really difficult to make those two. And I know I want to compete in one more game. So I think my the past few months, my focus has shifted back towards water polo. Um, with that being said, my coach is still allowing me to do contests to continue my ranks. It's like a yearly ranking system. Um, so I actually have a couple contests coming up, uh, Costa Rica and Japan and Australia in August or October and November. So that's exciting. But I think the games are going to be really hard for surfing. So in a perfect world, it's a successful Olympic Games and maybe for 24, it opens up the field and there's a little bit more this to make um, but it'll be good it's going to be good for the sport for sure and whether that's I'm competing for surfing or not I think it's important that we're growing the sport and um, so I think my, my goals right now are for water polo and that makes sense it's obviously that's unfortunate um, timing is essentially everything in life and it just kind of stinks that um, there's only two slots available for females uh, per country but at the same time as you said it's going to be huge for the sport I mean I've only the only time I've ever watched surfing on TV really is if I'm in like a, a beach town and I'm at like a burrito place or something. And it's, it's always fun to see online. It's always fun yeah. to see. Um, but it's never something that like, when I'm flipping through the channels is on. So, I mean, I'll watch any sport when it comes to the Olympics. I mean, every four years I'm the biggest curling fan you'll see. So uh, I'm a hundred percent going to watch and I'm super excited to kind of see the intricacies. <laughs> um, and I think it, it, it makes sense from your standpoint where if you want to compete for the games, you want to represent your country, the, the percentage points are on, you know, water polo. So it makes sense. And, and we appreciate that you're still doing that for us. Um, if you don't mind actually kind of explaining how a surf competition works and, and, and kind of how, like, what, what do you need to do to win a surf competition? Cause again, I've only seen them on TV and there's really no sound. So if you don't mind explaining it to me, like I'm five, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, say a surf contest, there's 48 competitors. So you break that down into for four man heats and two advance two are knocked out to the contest and the way a heat is judged it's your top two waves scored at a possible of a 10 points so your highest heat total could be 20 points and then the way they judge the the wave is um, critical maneuvers and critical parts of the wave style power flow like there's a lot of template that they decide on what the scores are going to be so you know, poor scores, anything from one to three. Average is about four to five. Six is six to seven is above average. Anything above a seven is a good score in the excellent range. So you go out there, there's tons of different heat shatters that you can do with that because on top of all that, there's a priority system. So a four-man priority, depending on when you're paddling for the wave, you know, you get first priority, which means you can go for any wave. Then obviously second priority can go for any other wave besides the person that's in first, you know, so on and so forth. As soon as you catch a wave, your priority switches. So then with that being said, there's a lot more strategy and thinking to be involved. You know, like sometimes you want to play a cat and mouse game with priority or depending on what time you are in the heat. So usually it's about 25 minute heat. Um, and then at five minutes you're reminded and that's when things start, you know, getting a little nerve wracking. Um, but yeah, so anything from about 12 points, so obviously 20 points is going to be a good score and you will most likely advance to the next round. You just continue to do that until you reach the quarters. And then in quarterfinals, it goes man on man. 
Very cool. Okay, cool. And then from there, I mean, then it's just knockout. Um, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty easy. So that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually um, really understood. So thank you very much. You did a very, very great job at explaining that to us <laughs> on the lowest common denominator. And I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I guess transitioning from that, let's, let's talk about water polo a little bit. Um, if you don't mind kind of explaining how water polo, I mean, you're great at both, so you might as well, right? So explain, <laughs> explain to us how water, I've, I've seen it. Um, I know there's a lot going on under the surface, but I don't really see that part. And I just see you know, people throwing a ball in a net, which is pretty easy. But yeah, if yeah. you don't mind giving us a little bit on water polo too, I'd appreciate it. Sure. So we always like to say it's the, the uh, physicality and intensity of a, a hockey hockey match, and then with mixed with a little bit of soccer and basketball. So you have six field players on a team, one goalie, so seven people are in the pool at one time. And then you have your attackers are on the wing on the outside, and then in the center you have a center and a defender. So you're just trying to score four quarters, eight-minute quarters, um, switch at half. There's a man-up, man-down situation if you have an over-aggressive foul, call it six-on-five, five-on-six. And obviously the goal is just to score more goals than your opponent. So a lot of it is either, you know, working for center um, or there's a lot of movement involved and drills and tactics and things that you can do with that. Very cool. Yeah. And again, that, that one, that one makes a little more sense. I've seen that before. And, and then the way you describe it with, you know, the basketball, the hockey and the, uh, the, uh, the, the soccer aspects definitely make sense. I've seen and understood those sports a little bit longer in my life. So going back to, I guess, the, the combination of the sports, and I know you said there's nothing really specific, but is there ever any, maybe something that you've noticed one day in water polo that you were like, maybe I can utilize this in surfing or, or even vice versa, anything like that? I mean, obviously, there's going to be the physical standpoint. If you're, you know, training for water polo, it's obviously going to help cross training for surfing um, and vice versa. But for me, I think something that I've noticed the most is in surfing, like how nerve-wracking it can be because there's so many outside variables that you cannot control, such as swell, wind, waves, sun glare, and then, of course, the judge is judging you. Um, there's a little, always going to be some human error involved. And I think that really teaches you to just control what, you know, just be able to control what you can and being in the moment. I think it's one of my best traits in, my, in the water polo team and what I bring, you know, to our personal team in the U.S. is just playing in the moment and not, you know, worrying about a mistake. Because if you also think about when you're on top of the wave surfing, you have seconds to make the decision of what turn you want to do and all reading the wave as it's standing up. So again, it's just like you can't sit and dwell upon a mistake. You have to be able to, you know, make the next move. So I think that's helped me the most in my water polo game. Very cool. And I just think it's incredible that you're able to be on a national team for two different sports. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, I've heard people going to the Olympics uh, for two different sports and two different games, winter and summer. Um, but I don't know how many times it's been yeah. done in, uh, in, in two, two summer games. So hopefully we're crossing our fingers for you, Kaylee. I think that would be absolutely incredible. You. So you've already been to the games. And not only have you been to the games, but you won a gold medal um, in 2016, which I think is incredible. I've already had the opportunity to talk to Cammie Craig um, and, and get her, her take on everything and what she's been able to do. But, you know, I would obviously love to, you know, understand your experience at the games, you know, going down to Houston. I hear there was a lot of swag that you guys got there in the airport <laughs> and then going down to the games and actually – hanging out in Rio. So if you don't mind, just kind of walking us through what that whole experience was like and some of the, the range of, of emotions that you guys were able to feel. Yeah, sure. So we went down about um, a week early or a few days early and we go to processing, which is in Houston. And that's where you just like have a checklist of all the sponsors and you just go around and trying everything on. And the, you know, 
it's just electricity feeling everyone's so excited and finally you get down to rio and you're like this is insane it's a dream come true like walking around olympic village unpacking your bags you know making yourself feel at home for the next three weeks um and we had a couple practices before opening ceremonies and then opening ceremonies was one of my favorite moments um we were in mark mark and stadium and we're all swagged out with Ralph Lauren gear. There's about 600 Americans, you know, the best of the best um, in the world at their sports. They're given craft. And then we're in there about to walk out and everyone just starts chanting USA, USA. So we just had chills, you know, just that moment. Cause it was kind of like an epiphany moment, like, whoa, my dream just came true. Like this is really happening. Um, and then of course to walk out with your teammates is the best, the best ever. And then for us, our first game was August 9th of 2016. We had three um, preliminary round games. We won all those, so we received into the quarterfinals. So those three games we played at the outside pool that I'm sure you've heard about, the clean pool or whatever, but that was really fun. And then the quarterfinals, we got to move into the swimming pool, which was the indoor stadium, and it was insane. And we were seeded the highest seed, so we played the low seed, which happened to be Brazil. So we were able to play Brazil in Brazil. And if you know anything about Brazil, their fans are passionate and loud or crazy. And, you know, we handled that game pretty well. And there was actually a moment I think in the third quarter, we were already up by like three or four, but I got called to take a five meter penalty shot. So I go up there and I'm about to shoot and I just listen to them getting booed by all the Brazilian fans. And I was just like, how cool is this? I'm being booed at the Olympics to take a penalty shot. Luckily made the shot and we moved on to the semifinals. So the semifinals was versus Hungary and, um, it was probably our closest game. Um, actually, the stat we found out after once we won was that we only were down for 30 seconds, 33 seconds of the entire Olympics. And it was because Hungary scored their first goal of that game. And that's it, which is pretty cool to see. And we were able to beat Hungary by four, and then we moved into the finals versus Italy. And I think we were just all so zoned in. And we were so prepared that we came out and just on fire. We ended up being Italy in the final um, on August 19th by seven goals, which is pretty unheard of uh, for water polo. You know, we were just sitting waiting for our one goal game, waiting for our timeout play or a five second play or a shootout. And um, it never came, which is fine. You know, we were able to take care of business uh, beforehand with our preparation, both in and out of the pool leading up to the games and, you know, everything we put to become the ultimate team. And uh, yeah, it definitely paid off. And I think, um, being on top of the podium, we, we had this quote we talked about in fall of 2013, and this was start with the end in mind, so we all went around our circle talking about what's our end, and basically everyone said the same thing. It was on top of the podium watching our flag get racing the national anthem with gold medals around our neck, so to see it full circle happen was, was pretty special, and then being able to hug my family afterwards was also a very special moment. That is cool. I mean, getting booed by Brazil in Brazil, that had to have been like totally surreal, as you said. Like, and that's that's kind of one of those times where you're probably pretty okay yeah. with getting booed, especially in their home stadium. Their fans are, let's go with passionate. I guess that's the nicest way to say it, right? So that is just super yeah. cool. And then, as you said, start with the end in mind, coming full circle, winning the gold medal. I mean, what what did you, you know, what, when your flag was coming down, when they put that gold medal around your neck, what did it mean to represent the United States and kind of be there and be able to do that for yourself, your teammates, but then also your country. Yeah. I mean, it was my proudest moment to be American in my life. And I think it was just cool that the whole time throughout the Olympics, we felt the support from back home, whether that was, I mean, people actually flying down to cheer us on or just getting the texts and the calls and that, you know, the support on even the news stations and being able to spread our, our small sport of water polo 
and ultimately represent, you know, the best country in the world and to be able to pull it off for all of you, you know, bring home the gold medal, which was obviously uh, a surreal moment. Yes. And we thank you for that. We sincerely do. I think it's, it's absolutely incredible what you guys are doing. So thank you. Um, really love it. And, you know, obviously it sounds like you had a pretty good time there getting all, obviously, again, let's go back to the swag. Who doesn't like free Ralph Lauren stuff? Yeah. And then not that it's free. You guys clearly did. You deserve it. Don't get me wrong, but it's always nice to be given that kind of stuff. And then going there, winning the games, getting to meet all the other athletes. As you said, there were 600 of us and we, we did pretty good that game. So that's pretty cool. And you know, one thing that, you know, back from the beginning of our conversation that I thought was really interesting that you said was you took a year off because you thought after 2016, that was kind of the end of your water polo career, I guess. You know, what, why did you think that? Why, why did you think that this was going to be a, a one-time thing you were, and you, you were done and, and, you know, what, what really went through your mind there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's hard and it's something that I even struggle with explaining because um, not many people get to be in the position that I'm in, you know, to be able to compete on a world level in two sports. And um, so I think if there wasn't water polo, I'd be surfing for as long as possible. And if there wasn't surfing, I'd be playing water polo for as long as possible. So after, you know, I'm 24, I won a gold medal, and I finally have an opportunity to just surf, something that I've never done in my life. And I thought that was always going to be the plan. And then I think with that being said, like taking that year off and just surfing made me realize um, how much I missed it and gave me a new perspective of the water polo and the team aspect. So um, that's, I think, one of the main reasons I came back. And, you know, I know I have to work work on getting that trust and respect back from the teammates because I did take a year off while they were working hard. Um, but I just hope that they understand and people understand like where, where I was at with the love of my, both of my sports to have two of those passions. Yeah. I mean, not, not many people have one passion. Um, I think you're pretty lucky that you got two of them. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so lucky you there, I guess, but um, yeah, I think it's um, obviously I can understand <laughs> your teammates needing to kind of, accept you coming back and uh clearly i mean you were on the team you you did a pretty good job the first time around in, in the olympics and uh you know i'm sure after a couple of years of working hard with them i'm sure they'll uh if they haven't already they'll happily welcome you back and and come 2020 they'll uh, love to stand next to you hopefully crossing our fingers on that podium one more time i think that would be pretty cool so what um what do you have to do to make sure that you guys are going to be back have you already qualified for the 2020 games no, so 2020 is unique because they added two more teams. But they, with that being said, they cut two spots on every team. So now a roster of 13 just got cut down to 11, which, of course, gives you more um, anxiety and more competitiveness for the next two years to be on that ultimate, that final roster. Um, so because of the two extra teams as a whole, 10 teams, it's going to be a lot easier not easier. You're going to have a lot of more opportunities to qualify. So, so I believe there's four opportunities. The first being next June in China for World League Superfinal. The winner gets to go. Then a top three from World Championships, uh, a winner from your area. So for us, it's Pan American Games. And then the last one is going to be a, um, is a final chance qualifier in like March of 2020. So 10 teams get to make it. My qualification start. Um, process begins in June and then the final roster for our team doesn't get picked until about one year later June of 2020 <clears throat> about two months before the games oh wow okay so that's ooh, that is close and so what um yeah with with that roster being pared down a little bit obviously you love these girls or your teammates you do anything for them but what is what is that competitive fire like within everybody especially because I'm assuming 
you know, how many goalies get taken? A couple or two or three. I mean, I assume it'll be done by, yeah. will it be done by like position base? Like how exactly does that work? And, and I mean, you have a team of 13 and now you need to bring it down to 11. How do you yeah. pick those final two spots? Yes. So one's going to be a goalie and then one's going to be just a player. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to go to the games, but I don't think they're allowed to stay in the village and they'll be able to be rotated. And we're still not sure about the rotation process, but we think it's only off of injury. So only if someone gets injured that those players get to play. So, yeah, I mean, it's really difficult here. It's a fine line, and like really hard to find the balance of, you know, being a part of a team, which we're ultimately trying to create, and then also competing for those final spots. Um, but I think we do a good job at understanding that everyone has value on the team, whether you're so-called an Olympian or you're just or you're a training player. Um, we wouldn't have been able to win last quad if it wasn't for the girls like the Elise Williams and Cody Hill that had trained for two years to help us get where we were. And, you know, they, they weren't on top of the podium, but they were there in the stands. And I think that just tells you how great their character is that they flew all the way down to cheer us on. And um, so I think if you can understand that, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, We just want to create the best team. So Adam always says that the team ultimately picks the team. So what are you going to do individually to guarantee or try to put yourself in the best position to be on that 11 person roster? And that's stuff that you're doing day in and day out from, you know, right now for years ago, but right now to the, when he picks the team in June of 2020, you know, just putting yourself in the best position. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And that, that, I mean, I, I agree. The team does pick itself. Um, there's always one thing that someone does that can separate them from somebody else. So I think that's pretty cool. And now let's transition to surfing. How do you qualify for the games for surfing? I know you said that there was two, um, two spots for per country for females. What do you have to do to become one of those two females? Yeah. So, um, the world surf league, there's a championship tour and that's 10 contests a year. And as those 10 contests, a world championship is crowned. Um, and then, so they're going to pick one. They're going to pick uh, surfers from the 2019-2020 World Championship season. So that would be like I'm still doing my World Qualifying Series competitions in order to reach that championship tour. They're doing that, and then you have to compete in your Pan American Games, and then you also have to compete in the ISA World Games for the next two years. Um, and then the winners and the wild cards will get chosen from that. And then um, – if somebody qualifies, you just go down the line. You know, if there's the third, say the third best person in the world, and there's three Americans, one, two, three, that third person's not going to be picked. So mm-hmm. you're just going to go down to the next country that's gets to be chosen. So it's pretty nerve wracking. And they won't find out, I think, until maybe six months prior to the games. Wow. Okay. And you're still, you're obviously, as we said, you know, you're still, you're still on that surfing grind as well. And, and does that, does doing that give you any reservations knowing that, you know, the, obviously the water polo teams team is getting cut down a bit, or are you, you know, still fully on board with both? I think, I'm fully on, I think it's actually switched more to water polo, just knowing that because it is cut down, I'd have to do that much more to make it. Um, but we have uh, a little bit different perspective going into this games and our coach, I think has changed his a little bit allowing some of us to do some things that we wouldn't have been able to do last time around. So even if it's just doing it enough five contests I need a year um, 
to help me post 2020, post hopefully Tokyo with water polo or whatever, just so I have something set because I had to work my way after Rio um, for surfing. I was an alternate. I couldn't get into contests. I didn't have any points because I, I was at ground zero, you know, so that will still just benefit me no matter what happens. Just have some points, of course, Tokyo. Very cool. I love it. Kaylee Grillchrist, USA Water Polo, USA Surfing. This is absolutely insane. Kaylee, last topic I want to talk about, um, the foundations, the charities that you're a part of. You are the ambassador for the Young and the Brave Foundation, co-founder of Camps for Champs, owner of IMS South Central. Tell us a little bit about each of those, kind of what they mean to you and why you know you, you use up a lot of your time to, to help out these charities and start them. Yeah, so the Young and the Brave is a pediatric cancer charity foundation, and I knew I wanted to get involved in something after Rio. I, I mean, even before Rio, but I had some time after Rio and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I actually reached out. It's kind of started from a bunch of surfers, so there's a lot of mutual people also helping out. So I reached out to Matt, who was the co-founder at the time, and um, just really hit it off on the phone. So it made it pretty easy and pretty organic to represent them and help them, and um you know, full circle, there was a surfer, Zach Morbido, who passed on the Newport Harbor surf team. There's a big Morbido family, uh, big surf family. And I think it's kind of full circle. He, uh, you know, passed from pediatric cancer. So uh, to represent that and to help build, you know, help anyone, you know, in that, in that sense has been, been a joy. Um, and then for Camps for Champs, you, you spoke with Cammy. Cammy and I started that. And this is when we both thought we were done with water polo and we, gained a really good connection the two years we played together, uh, both in and out of the pool, but she's one of my most favorite players I ever played with. So we're trying to figure out how we can continue this team, you know, this teamwork that we built on, you know, we've built upon. So came up with camps for champs and it's water polo camps, but there's a, we really emphasize outside of the pool things such as journaling exercises, team bonding exercises, and just chatting with these you know with these girls and trying to build them up and build them up as individuals and as a team so we actually just got back from utah last week and we had um, a couple of good sessions over there so I'm, I'm excited for the future of that and then i'm a south central um usc is in south central and i always love to make you know wear funny costumes or make t-shirts for events and i just made it for myself as my inaugural homecoming uh as an alum so I said, I'm a South Central and everyone, I went to tailgate and everyone's like, this is hilarious. Like, where'd you get that t-shirt? I need it. So, I mean, that was just a no brainer to start that. And um, it's been a fun project. I unfortunately haven't had much time to put into it, but I actually went to game day on Friday and sold a couple t-shirts and um, it's just fun to connect the community that all has the same love and nostalgia for South Central. And uh, I made a couple other t-shirts for uh, other Pac-12 schools. So maybe down the road when I have some more time or, you know, I'll try to build that a little bit more, but it's just been a fun passion project for me. Heck yeah. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, obviously with the young and the brave, sincerely appreciate your time and, and devotion to that. Thank it makes sense as you kind of explain to us what you're doing and why you're doing there. Camps for Champs. Yes, we did talk to Cammy. She was unbelievable. If you haven't listened to that episode, shameless plug, go check that one out. But, um, that's super cool. She told us a little bit about that kind of the leadership development as well. And just really trying to get people to understand, you know, what they're doing. Um, in the pool, but also, as you said, outside of the pool. And then, I mean, making t-shirts, making funny t-shirts, man. Who doesn't love doing that? I mean, that's just, yeah. it's fun to do. It doesn't, it doesn't cost a crazy amount of money. It does take a little bit of time, but it's something fun to do. And, you know, if you can get people talking about it, I think that's incredible. So, again, one more time, Kaylee Gilchrist, yeah. a water polo since 2013, USA surfing since 2006. 
it's over a decade, man. That's incredible. Um, gold medal winner <laughs> in 2016. Um, hopeful for 2020 for whichever sport says yes, I guess, at this point. I think that's super cool. Crossing <laughs> our fingers for both of them. Not sure how many times that has happened. Obviously, with surfing being in the, the inaugural Olympics for surfing in 2020. Super excited about that. So one more time, Kaylee Gilchrist, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Kaylee Gilchrist, amazing person all around. Hope you guys enjoyed it. She's super cool, has a lot of good information, great interview. So thank you guys so much again for listening. If you don't mind, please rate, comment, share, review, subscribe. I don't know, whatever it takes to get more people to hear these episodes because honestly, I think more people need to hear about it. Our Olympic athletes, they do a lot. They need a little more recognition. If this is the littlest thing that I can do for them, yeah, it's really not that bad. I have a lot of fun doing it. So thank you guys so much. Anyway. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you again and talk to you soon.